0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Now, normally, I am very choosy about when I talk about the Colts. I don't try to let them dominate the conversation because I understand that, you know, I I do a podcast that covers all the NFL, and I try to keep my biases in check whenever possible. But it is a very exciting day when the Colts, especially for a team that's really small market in terms of media coverage, becomes the story of the NFL for the past week, you know, or however long it is. Uh, But that's exactly what happened this past week. The Colts made a move to go out and get Carson Wentz from the Eagles, and it cost him a third. Round pick in this year's draft and a conditional second, uh, which could for next year's draft, which could turn into a first if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the games or 75% of the snaps or 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. So, initially, before I get into the Colts perspective of this, uh, let's look at the Eagles, right? This is a team who, uh, you know, had Carson Wentz last year and he struggled quite a bit. This was a, a significant drop off, not only, you know, in just f- from a statistical standpoint, looking down at, at things, but uh just watching games. He did not look the same. This this guy had three uh straight seasons of seven interceptions, uh, and then this year fifteen. Completion percentage over sixty percent uh every season, dropped to fifty seven point four. And you can talk about, you know, injuries to the offensive line, lack of weapons, just an overall struggle, but the Carson Wentz that I saw this year was a guy and, and the stats back this up that he threw ten picks from a clean pocket. Which means that whatever's going on is he's making the wrong reads, he's doing it to himself, whatever the case is. And we've talked about this for quite a while, right? Like this is not the first time we brought this up, but there is a mental blockade, to say the least, uh that's going on with Carson Wentz, and that that has been the hardest obstacle for him to overcome. And this could be, you know, lingering effects from the leg injury. This could be, uh, you know, the fact that they went out and got Jalen Hurts this past season. We see how some of these quarterbacks react. Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Packers drafted a, a quarterback in the first round, went out and won the MVP. The Eagles go out in the second round, draft a quarterback, uh, and Carson Wentz looks like a shell of his former self. So for the Eagles. They offloaded a guy uh, who they didn't see in their long-term future. They didn't see in their plans. Um, and I don't hate the move entirely uh, from the Eagles' point of view. I mean, they they paid the largest cap hit in NFL history to get a guy off their roster at $33.8 million, um, which means if all goes well for the Colts, that they have Carson Wentz on a four-year, $98 million contract that they can get out of after the second year for absolutely nothing. No guaranteed money after year two. Um, And they get back, you know, they were talking about compensation, that they wanted, you know, a Matthew Stafford level deal. And they did not get that, not even close. I mean, I I read a report that Chris Ballard made one offer to the Eagles. That offer did not change. It was an offer he believed was fair market value for Carson Wentz. uh, And the Eagles eventually took that deal, which is just incredible. If you think about the way that Chris Ballard does business, he knows what teams want, he knows what what uh, players are worth and what they're worth to their respective teams. And he said, "Look, I'm not gonna beat around the bush. I'm not gonna try to lowball you. Here's our deal. I'm not budging. Take it or leave it. Uh, and look, I think best case scenario, you know, the Eagles get a chance to, you know, obviously it's a big cap hit initially, but but get a chance to save some money down the road um, and and rebuild this team because their window." uh, of competing in a championship is close, right? Like there, there's not a debate over that. Um, uh, this is not a team that can go out and, and win 11, 12 games and win in January, win in February, um, when it matters. So a lot of aging stars, a lot of guys that are past their prime. So this is a good opportunity for them to maybe move some of those guys, maybe, uh, you know, shed some contracts. I know Zach Ertz has been, uh, in talks and in, in trade talks and, um, Fletcher Cox as well as a guy who they could save a lot of money by moving. Uh, this is a new a new group. Uh, Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni is the coach, um, and this is an opportunity for them to turn over a new leaf. Whether that's with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. And you look uh, come draft time, I think if a guy falls to them that they like that they love, they might take him because you know the quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. And for as 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 electric as as Jalen Hurts looked at times, there were a lot of instances where he struggled. Like, he's the guy that's going to make the big play for you from time to time, but he's not the guy that can consistently hit a guy 15 yards down the field over the middle. I think he was hovering at 50% completion percentage, which wasn't much better than Carson Wentz. And, you know, he was able to use his legs more and extend plays and, and create some magic. Uh, but as we saw with Carson Wentz, once that magic dies, how much of a, of a solid fundamentals do you have left? Uh, and for Jalen Hurts we don't know like I I think he could turn into you know an above average quarterback but I don't know if he's he's going to be the guy for the job to get the Eagles out of this uh, streak of losing that they found themselves in as of late so I think it makes sense to go out and get some competition uh light a fire under Jalen Hurts a little bit just see what happens uh just to open things up but for the Eagles Uh, I mean, you would have liked to see more draft compensation as an Eagles fan, as Eagles ownership, but really now it's going to come down to, okay, what do you do about it? Uh, I think in this year's draft class, they need to find a pass catcher. They need to find a solid pass catcher. Um, And I don't hate if they do it in the early rounds. Like this this is a team that narrowly missed out on Justin Jefferson, who was the best wide receiver in this class. Uh, through the first season. I don't know if he'll end up that way, but he definitely looked like the best wide receiver by a mile. They ended up going with Jalen Rager. Then the year before, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, a couple of picks later, went DK Metcalf. So those are two guys that they they swung and missed on. Um, as of, I mean, Jalen Rager is, I, I didn't like him a lot coming out of the draft. I think he still has uh, some serious potential as a deep threat, but he missed a couple of, of games with injury, never got a chance to get going. So we'll see how it looks uh, moving forward, but for the Colts, I think this is a situation. And, you know, right when the trade was announced, I started watching a lot more of Carson Wentz, just watching full game throws, looking at every, every instance, you know, areas where he, um, could be worked on areas that he could improve. Uh, I mean, look at his best and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to use hyperbole here, but at his best, he looks like a skinny Andrew Luck, a guy who can evade in the pocket. Wow. You with some throws and keep plays alive. But, those interceptions, like I talked about, 10 interceptions this season from a clean pocket. It just looks like he's making the wrong read. He's trying to do too much. And maybe that could be the offensive play calling, the scheme, just the overall lack of weapons that they have on the team that could be contributing to this issue. Um, do I think it's unfixable? No. I think that, you know, you talk about this, uh, Fr- Frank Reich, all, I talk about it all the time. Frank Reich was Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator the year that he was the MVP front runner before he towards ACL. This was a guy who uh, has has worked with him very consistently uh, and watched him play at a very high level. And Carson Wentz last year still was playing at a very high level, 4,000 yard, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, I mean, this this was a, a struggle for them this season. It was a struggle for them last season. Um, but as, as a, a guy like Carson Wentz at 28 years old, who has played at an MVP level in the past, um, I think this is absolutely worth the gamble, um, in terms of upside and everything to do with that, I think out of the quarterbacks left that the Colts realistically could get right. Like I'm, I'm taking Deshaun Watson off the table just because, um, I, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think that the Texans are going to move and well, they won't now, but I don't think they would have at all, uh, moved him to Indianapolis, but. I think it's Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston were the two guys you think about um, who would be the, the uh, above-average starters next season, right? And and obviously, um, we've seen Carson Wentz play at an elite level, so you, you go for that even if you do have to give up draft picks instead of signing him outright. So I think that this makes a lot of, of sense for this Colts team, additionally because Now he can come into a situation where you look at Phillip Rivers the season before he came to Indy. There was a lot of questions about, okay, what does he have left in the tank? What can they do? How can they limit turnovers? He set a career high in turnovers, I believe, the year before he came to Indianapolis. Comes in, they establish a solid run game. They let Phil go to work on intermediate routes and take a couple of deep shots a game. Let things open up, you know, kind of lull the defense asleep and then beat him over the top. Why wouldn't they do the exact same thing with Carson Wentz? I think you can add a little bit more in the play-action game. Uh, Carson Wentz is clearly more mobile than Philip Rivers uh, was or ever has been at any point in his life. Um, so that opens things up a lot for you. Carson Wentz is not going to be the guy that's going to um, from from a couple years ago that's going to run with a and and take these shots, but. He's going to be playing behind an offensive line who, if they stay healthy, are a top five group in, in, in football. I know they have some work to do in the offseason to to get to a point where, you know, shore up the left tackle position, whatever the case may be. They've got Jonathan Taylor, who won an absolute tear the last six games of the season, was third in the NFL in rushing yards, uh, and is a guy that I believe will continue to play at a high level. Uh, whether or not they sign Marlon Mack, they still have Naheem Hines in that backfield too. Michael Pittman has emerged as a wide receiver, one for this Colts team. Uh, Paris Campbell, if he can stay healthy, he's a weapon. And you know how much Frank Reich loves to use his tight ends. Trey Burton, Moelle Cox, Jack, Jack Doyle. Um, that, that's really what we saw a lot of his success, Carson Wentz's success with the Eagles, is when they were using Dallas Goddard, when they were using Zachert's, uh in those two tight end sets uh, and getting them out and, and, and uh, overloading the middle of the field and letting him go to work there. Um, I think you could see something similar. Uh, Obviously, Zach Ertz missed most of last season, which uh, made it difficult, or Dallas Goddard both kind of uh, were missing a bit of time, so it was difficult to get into a rhythm, but I think everything in this situation points to Carson Wentz being successful. Now, ultimately, I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, his biggest hurdle is going to be mental. I think his teammates are excited, ready to receive him onto the team. I think that the city of Indianapolis is ready to put to rest this revolving door of quarterbacks that we've had over the last few years. Andrew Luck, Jacoby Brissett, Phillip Rivers. If we can land on a guy like Carson Wentz for the next decade uh, and bring some stability to that quarterback position, this is a unit defensively, offensively coaching uh, front office that is ready to compete right now. And they have all the tools to do so. Um, So I see no reason why they wouldn't be able to create some, some real damage in the AFC. I mean, there, this is a team that I think, you know, if Carson Wentz can be the Carson Wentz of, of 2018, at the very least, as we're, we're talking about a guy who had a four to one touchdown interception ratio, completed 65% of his passes through for 4,000 yards. There's no reason why the Colts can't be right where they were last year or even better, 11 and five, 12 and four, uh, playing for one of the top seeds and, and potentially winning that division as we see, you know, some of these teams starting to get older, uh, and, and and a little bit worse, whether it's the Texans uh, who are just an absolute mess right now, the Titans who um, you know are, are like I said, getting a little bit older at a lot of positions, have no defense or the Jaguars who are very much on the rise but are realistically a couple of years away from from making some real noise in the AFC south. But it's going to be mental, right? like this guy has to get over whatever it, he is struggling with and maybe he needs, the rejuvenation of being in a town like Indianapolis, which I mentioned, very small market, and the fans way less intense than uh, the Philadelphia fans who are notoriously crazy, I think is the best word to put it. So I think this is a great move for him every which way, but it's just a matter of, you know, can he play at a high level? Can he do what he needs to do uh, to ensure that he can get back to his form uh, of, of previous years, and in doing so, turn the Indianapolis Colts into a legit I think threat to come out of the AFC this is uh, this Colts team has played the Chiefs very close uh, over the last few years uh including beating them I think it was two years ago with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback um so is a team that lost by three points to the uh to the Bills in the wildcard round of the playoffs of so a couple of of balls bounce their way if, if things go just right I mean they, they could have pulled out that game very easily um so it, it's this team is, is a couple pieces away from winning, I think even outside of the quarterback position, um, but getting a guy like Carson Wentz, establishing him as your guy for the foreseeable future is a huge start in ensuring that they will be successful long-term. So I think this is a big move. I think this, you know, we could see a situation where both teams really benefit, and this is a win-win situation, but at the very least, huge for the Colts to establish themselves as as legit threats in the AFC. I mean, I think at, at your worst, you can slot them in at, at fourth or fifth best. Um, and they have you know an, a legitimate argument to be put up in that two or three spot. So very encouraging for these uh, for these Colts. Uh, but it's, it's going to come down to what can Carson Wentz do? Can he be the Carson Wentz of old? Or at least a very high percentage of the Carson Wentz of old. All right, but that is enough about the Colts. It's enough about this new Carson Wentz deal. We are moving... Full steam ahead into draft season, uh, I've been watching the tape, getting to know some of the guys, some of the top quarterbacks, some of the top players in this year's class, um, and we're going to start rolling out a couple of these player previews, maybe just some some brief overlook at a, a couple of these guys, some bite-sized nuggets to make you more familiar with some of the potential rookies coming into the 2021 class. But before we kick that off, I'm going to do something that I've done on... Um, uh, for writing before student union sports, I've done a couple of, uh, mocks of the mock drafts. So I've read a couple of mock drafts from, from some very popular, well-known guys and gone through and, and, you know, given my two cents about it, why I like the fit in this specific, uh, instance or where I would have gone or, or, or places that just surprised me overall. Um, so for today, we're going to do it through the podcast. That's how we're going to end it today. Um, but I'm going to go over Daniel Jeremiah's Mock Draft 2.0. Uh, now, for those of you who have not heard of Daniel Jeremiah, which I, I hope most of you have, uh, very well-respected um, scout, worked in the NFL system for a number of years, worked with the Ravens, among other teams. Um, he and Bucky Brooks do a Move the Sticks podcast for NFL Network. Uh, it's a great listen. they get some great interviews, um, and, and it's always a fun conversation. So I'm going to go through a couple of the picks that he had just talk about him a little bit, see some interesting uh, takes, and um, maybe some I agree with, maybe some I don't, but let's start. Um, so first off, number one, Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Number two is Zach Wilson to the Jets. Now, I love this whole conversation with you know uh, Zach Wilson and, and Trey Lance and Justin Fields, even though Trey Lance has kind of been put on the, the back burner after not having played a full season this year. Um, but Daniel Jeremiah, one of the ways that he says it is that, you know, quarterbacks are like different flavors of ice cream, right? And, and I think it's very similar in this class um, when you look at guys like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields. I think all of them bring something very unique, very special to the table, uh, and Zach Wilson has had a very Joe Burrow-esque rise to the top. Um, one of his big question marks is, you know, he hasn't been playing against top competition and he was unable to do that because of, uh, the way that the Mountain West conference only stuck within, um, their their group besides the bowl game where they absolutely shredded UCF. BYU played very well this season, uh, and Zach Wilson was a big part of that. And I think that's re- the reason why he's been put into this QB2 conversation, QB2-3 with, uh, with Justin Fields, however you shake it. Um, so I, I love the pick. I think it makes a lot of sense for this Jets group, but uh, they're going to be doing their homework, right? I think a guy who's going to get a ton of buzz, we're not talking about him a lot now, but as we move closer to draft season, as we get through the pro day uh, and, and get to all these measurables, I think Trey Lance is going to start rising up draft boards. He's been forgotten about for much of the year, only played one game against Central Arkansas and wasn't talked about a ton. Uh, but as we get further removed from the season and we kind of forget a little bit about the tape that we saw and just focus on measurables and and ability... I think a guy like uh, I think a guy like Trey Lance is going to surprise a lot of people. I think he's going to start rising up the board. Um, moving down, Jamar Chase, the Dolphins at three pick makes a lot of sense. I think the Dolphins need a wide receiver bad. I think they might trade back, but uh, I think you know if they're in a no trade mock draft, them getting a wide receiver uh, going after Jamar Chase, who many believe is the most talented wide receiver in the class, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the number four, QB3, Justin Fields is off the board, goes to his hometown uh, in Atlanta. And there's an interesting piece here where uh, Daniel Jeremiah actually says he has ranked Trey Lance ahead of Justin Fields in his top 50. Um, so that's obviously something to look out for because I think Daniel Jeremiah has been on the forefront of, you know predicting some of these stock up stock down guys. Um, number five, Penny Sewell to the Cincinnati Bengals. Most talented tackle in the class goes to a team who needs a tackle. The most out of almost any team in the NFL right now. Number six is a very unique pick, but I love it. Kyle Pitts to the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, they need pass catchers; they need them bad. Um, and you think about who's left on the board. You could go Devonta Smith, you go Jalen Waddle, who people believe are, are wide receiver two or three, or you could take a guy like Kyle Pitts, and I'll tell you why it makes a lot of sense and why I, I think Kyle Pitts has, for good reason, generated um, top ten buzz, top ten consideration. Think about wide receivers that can go for 1,000 yards in a season. I mean, you can think of, there's a very elite group, but it's still a big chunk of guys that have gone for 1,000 yards uh, this this past season. Think about tight ends that could even do that consistently. We're talking George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, maybe Darren Waller is starting to come into that conversation, but truly that's it. Those are the three guys. So if you can get a guy in Kyle Pitts, who I truly believe is a thousand yard receiving, uh, thousand receiving yards a season type of player, uh, you pull the trigger on that. Absolutely, I think this is a great pick for the Eagles, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Micah Parsons to the Lions at seven. Micah Parsons has had some off the field concerns, some some commitment to the game, um, and some overall character concerns be brought up over the past few days that might lead to a a bit of a slide but he's no doubt a talented linebacker the best linebacker in the class and and we've seen what some top guys can do you look at Darius Leonard uh, was an all pro has been one of the best linebackers in in football Um, and and in addition to that you talk about guys like uh, Devin White who has been who was instrumental in the Bucks run to the playoffs this year so young linebackers can make a difference for sure. Then at eight, Carolina Panthers, Trey Lance. I think this is a match made in heaven. I hope, I hope, hope, hope this happens because you put Trey Lance in a situation where he can learn from arguably one of the most innovative offensive coordinators in football and Joe Brady turned Joe Burrow into a number one pick. Um, And they, they struggled a little bit with the, with Teddy Bridgewater, but he got a lot out of Robbie Anderson, out of DJ Moore, out of Curtis Samuel. Uh, and they'll get Christian McCaffrey back next season, too. So who knows what this offense can do? But Trey Lance is able to sit behind Teddy Bridgewater for a year, learn the ropes a little bit more. Um, and then the next year, when none of his contract is guaranteed, they could trade or cut Teddy Bridgewater, move fully forward with Trey Lance as their signal caller of the future. And this is a, an elite group. I think the only thing better than drafting Trey Lance at eight would be packaging a deal to go out and get Deshaun Watson, because I think the Panthers surprised a lot of people this year um, with their play, even with all the injuries. Uh, and I think um, if they can establish and get their quarterback of the future, that's going to go a long way in putting them in you know, the, the uh, contender seat over the next five to seven years. Number eight, Caleb Farley. quarterback goes to the Broncos 10 Patrick Sertan goes to the Cowboys Uh, I think the Broncos would love to get a quarterback uh, but I I don't think it's going to happen at nine they're either going to have to trade up and and uh, go after a guy or or just sit and and be content with whatever falls because I don't think um, there is going to be a guy available at nine just because of how QB needy this class is not with the first the the teams with the first eight picks but you look later down the line, the 49ers could be in the market to scoot up for a quarterback. The Patriots, if one falls, they could be aggressive in going to get a guy. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a number of teams that could very well jump them uh, at the very least. But I love Caleb Farley. I think he makes a lot of sense. High upside guy for this Denver Broncos team that needs a cornerback. And then for 10, and this is, a, this is a high floor corner that can get in and play right away. Um, a, a guy that they can pair alongside Trayvon Diggs. Uh, and really get to work on rebuilding that defense. You know, if they bring Dak Prescott back, they still need to put a defense that can stop teams from scoring 35 points a game. I think they they squared some things away in the second half of the season, but the first half was ugly, you know. And if you can get 30 points a game out of Dak Prescott and, and your defense holds them to 25, you're going to win a lot of games. So, I think that's the goal. Um the offense maybe for the Cowboys, you look at going offensive line, maybe Rashan Slater, Elijah Vera Tucker, but Uh, cornerback may be a more pressing need, uh, whereas, you know, offensive line, they still have guys that can play, but uh, I think getting an offensive lineman in the first round makes sense for positional depth, but I love the move, uh, getting a high floor guy who can contribute right away. Giants at 11, Gregory Rousseau. I want to see the Giants go after some offensive weapons. Now, I don't know really where they're at in in, in terms of cap, uh, their cap situation, but I think they need to put all their chips on the table for Daniel Jones this year and say, look, buddy, this is a make-or-break year. Either you put us, you know, we've got the defense that can can propel us into the playoffs. Now we need you to play at a top level so you can match. Uh, yeah, at the very least, match what the defense is putting out. They may be losing Leonard Williams in free agency. So you go out and get Gregory Rousseau as a replacement. I don't hate it, but with Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle still available, I would like to see maybe where those guys go, Um you know, if they have a shot to get a, a top wide receiver, which I believe both of those guys are, um, then that would make a lot of sense for them. But anyways, number 12, the 49ers go out and get Sean Slater, who is a very versatile guy, played left tackle at TCU, but could kick inside the guard if necessary. I think the 49ers like that versatility, and, and if they can't bring back Trent Williams, that's going to be something that they're looking into. Uh, a very fun pick, a pick I like a lot, uh, 13. The Chargers go out and get Jalen Waddle. Uh, a speedster, another weapon they can add into that offense. Um, I think that would be great uh, for, for them, giving Justin Herbert another toy to play with, uh, giving that group another fun option on on offense. I mean, at the very least, it, his rookie season, if you use him as a gadget guy, that's going to be incredible. If they can bring back Mike Williams, if they can bring back Hunter Henry uh, and Keenan Allen, there's, it's going to be very difficult to stop this team, and I think that's the way they like it. Uh, I would have liked to see maybe um, you know, if Rayshon Slater was there, they might've gone in that direction or even Elijah Vera Tucker, but you can't hate on, on what they've established here, uh, with that high powered offense and they make it just a little stronger. 14, the Vikings go Devonte Smith. This is very interesting. I mean, this is a fun group. This is something similar to what we saw the Cowboys do last season, going out and getting CD lamb to pair with their already elite group of Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So now you've got a trio, which arguably, in my opinion, is probably better. Devontae Smith, Heisman winner, a guy who can get open at any point he wants to. Pair him with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. That's a great group of guys. That is a very fun offense. And Kirk Cousins has zero excuses. um, And that offense is going to be fun to watch if that does happen. So I love that pick there. J.C. Horn, 15 to the Patriots cornerback is is somewhat of a need i feel like you know the there's there's talk of stefan gilmore being traded but jc horn is a guy who who is likely going to be a project i mean he's looked very elite at times but they're gonna have to work on him uh, and who better than bill belichick and that patriots defense to get the most out of jc horn pick makes a lot of sense finally at 16 arizona cardinals they finally address the offensive line issues and go out and get Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, one of my favorite offensive linemen in this draft, just because of his versatility. Kicked out to left tackle uh, this past season and played great uh, after being what was uh, what he was already considered to be one of the top guards in the draft. So he's got that versatility for you there. Um, I mean, I just I'm just glad that they've made it a priority, at least in Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft. I don't know if that continues to happen, uh, but but we'll see. A guy a guy can hope. And then finishing off the back half of this class here, Pay the Las Vegas Raiders, they make defensive priority in this first round. Najee Harris paired to with a familiar face uh, and his old college teammate uh, and hopefully get that running game going. No offense to Miles Gaskin, uh, but I think Najee Harris would be a clear upgrade uh, at, at 18. At 19, the Washington football team goes Christian Derrissaw, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech. Um, you know, there, there are a couple positions I would have liked to see them address outside of offensive tackle. I think they have a decent uh, group there, but, you know, you, you, you can't help but build on a strength. You know, especially if they do start a guy like Taylor Heineke, you want to give him the best possible chance to succeed. And giving him the most time in the pocket makes a lot of sense. Uh, 20 of the Chicago Bears go Kadarius Toney, uh, a true deep threat out of Florida Got a little bit overshadowed, I think, because people love Kyle Pitts so much and he's played so well, but uh, they don't really think about what Katarius Tony can do. And we're going to see uh, what that case is. I don't love the move for the Bears just because they have a guy in Darnell Mooney who plays a very similar style to what Tony would probably play in the NFL. Um, and especially if they lose Allen Robinson, you just have two deep threat guys and a quarterback who really can't hit deep threats. So uh, it's, it's a weird match. I don't love it, but... I mean, you building on a strength, I guess. 21, the Colts, a little bit of a surprise here. They go cornerback, Greg Newsom, a corner out of Northwestern. Haven't watched a lot of tape on him. I don't want to say I love it or I hate it. I would like to see them address that left tackle concern. Maybe get a guy um, who's uh, you know a high-level guy who can come in and compete right away or go the guard route and kick uh, Quentin Nelson out to left tackle and see what happens. Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips is a very unique uh, prospect. From what I've been reading, he's had some issues, um, and, and there are concerns about his ability to uh, play at the NFL level, but all the talent, the the gift, he has every, you know, pass rushing gift in the world. He could be the best defensive player in this class. It's just a big question mark, and I'm wondering why the Titans are doing that after, you know, their whole experiment with Isaiah Wilson seems to have failed at this point. It, it feels weird that they're, that they're going in that direction again and, and shooting for, you know, trying to hit the home run instead of, finding a single on defense, a guy that can just get you on base. Um, a little bit weird. Ronnie Perkins, edge rusher out of Oklahoma, goes to the Jets at 23. Jalen Mayfield, offensive tackle out of Michigan, goes to the Steelers at 24. Jeremiah Uusakoramoa at 25 to the Jaguars. Joe Tyron to the Cleveland Browns uh, at 26. Uh, and and just keeping it moving forward here. I want to hit on just a couple of picks, the last few picks here, um, that that really catch my eye. Mac Jones to the Saints. This is very interesting. Whether or not they re-sign Jameis Winston, um, they could see what they get out of Mac Jones, uh, and, and this would definitely help their salary cap situation, moving on from Jameis completely. Um, but, I mean, man, I don't know. Mac Jones, this makes the most sense. I've talked about it before. Um, he's the kind of guy who, in the perfect situation, can play well. I mean, the perfect situation, he led uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide to a route in the national uh the, the college football national championship. But the Saints group may be the closest thing he would have to a team like Alabama. The, their window is is closing pretty pretty quickly, you know, whether it's in terms of just running out of guys to pay or guys getting past their prime. But um figuring out who to pay and when is going to be key, but these last few years are important. And I think Mac Jones, all things considered, um, is the guy that's that's gonna make, you know, get the ball into the hands of playmakers. He's not going to turn the ball over a lot. And he could be the right recipe to do just enough to to ensure that they they make it to the next level. Um, the rest of the picks, uh, nothing too noteworthy. Um, Azizo Ojolari goes to the Buffalo Bills uh, at 30. Landon Dickerson goes to the Chiefs at 31. And at 32, Nick Bolton to the Tampa Bay Bucs. Um, but yeah, I, I think I love looking into mock drafts, reading uh, you know, who all these experts think is going where, because, you know, they know more than I do, and I'm interested to get their opinion on those things, but I like to have my my two cents every now and again, but we've reached the end of today's episode. The next coming weeks, we're going to get into some of these, these uh, prospects uh, specifically, looking at quarterbacks moving forward. We're going to have some guests on talking about some of these guys and getting a better look at them, better than I could give it to you, but It's going to be fun leading up to the draft. I'm very excited for it, and I hope you guys will join us next week on another episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast.